And this is the fifth sermon in our series. Um, we've been going through the Minor Prophets, and it's been a great journey so far. Um, but I'm sure that most of you have heard of the book of Jonah, or uh, I'm sure have read it. Um, and if you haven't read it, I'm sure that if you grew up in church, you've heard it many, many times as a kid, and, and it's very common in, in children's ministry and youth ministry um, as well. But, you know, I personally, I, I've read um, Jonah a few times, and I've grown up with the story of Jonah and the whale, right? And, uh, um, and I've, I've watched the VeggieTales Jonah and all, all that good stuff. Um, but, you know, when I, when I was studying the book of Jonah, um, there was a lot of things um, when I was studying each chapter that, that really came out to me that I never really um, had noticed before. And, and I really have a completely different perspective on Jonah than I had before. And, and my, my um, goal for you and my hope for you is that this morning when we get through the book of Jonah, um, after we get the book, through the book of Jonah, that you'll, you'll find this new perspective that you've never, you've never noticed before. So as, as we go through the book of Jonah today, um, I want you guys to know, obviously, the author is Jonah. So this is a biography about himself. And, and Jonah comes after um, these big prophets, Elijah and Elisha, these, these men of God who, who were great and powerful in their time, and they were filled with the Spirit of God. And his audience is, um, is Nineveh. In the outline um, today... Um, we're going to go chapter to chapter, so we're going to read. We're going to read each chapter. Um, there's four chapters, but they're pretty short. They're 10 to 16 verses. Um, but I wanted to go through the outline before we before we read it. The, that first uh, chapter is about God's call to Jonah, and the fact that Jonah runs from God's call. And then the second one is uh, Jonah gets swallowed by a fish. And the third one is Jonah Jonah gets goes to Nineveh. And the fourth is God saves Nineveh, and Jonah gets mad. Right. <laughs> Um, and the purposes of this book, the purpose of this book is to reveal God as a merciful God to the Ninevites. And really, this is, this is the purpose that I saw when I was growing up and when I was reading this book before. Um, but I also saw that it's also to reveal Jonah's heart. You know, it's, it's to reveal Jonah's heart to us, but it's also to reveal Jonah's heart to himself. And so we'll talk about that in a little bit. And also we have themes of um, deliverance, like uh, Judd was talking about this morning, where, where um, uh, God is delivering the Ninevites, but it's also surrender in Jonah's life. And so as we start into the book of Jonah, let's, I'm just going to read it. Um, this is Jonah uh, 1.1. starts off the first chapter. When the Lord gave the message to Jonah, son of uh, Amittai, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went, to the op- and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of jo- to Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to, Dar- to Tarshish. But the Lord heard a pow- hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. And fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted out to, the, to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this, he shouted. Get up and pray to your God. 
Maybe he will pay attention to us and, and spare our lives. And the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended God's and caused a terrible storm. Which, I think this is funny. Because God can work through, through lots, right? He can, he can work through anything. And, and when they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. So he's found out. <laughs> so why has this awful storm come down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? And Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the land. The sailors were terrified when they heard this for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to stop the storm? Throw me in the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get to the ship, ship to land, but the stormy sea was too violent for them. And they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God. Oh Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin and don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh Lord, you have sent the storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked up Jonah and threw him in the raging sea and the storm stopped at once. And the sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power. And they offered him sacrifices and vowed to serve him. And now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. So in the first chapter, as we read, um, it's all about God, God calling Jonah, right? And Jonah, and Jonah fleeing from God and um, running in the opposite direction. Now, before, uh, before we start you know, bashing Jonah, we need to, to step back and, and really talk about some things. And the first thing we need to talk about is, is the fact that Jonah was a pretty big prophet were in this time. He was, he was one of um, the leading prophets in Israel, and he was, he was a very respected and very, um, very known person at this time um, to the Israelite people. And so he was, he was a big prophet, and he was also, like I said before, he was coming on the coattails of these great, great prophets, these powerful prophets filled with the Spirit of God, Elisha and Elijah. And, and so... And so um, this guy, Jonah, was not this, uh, you know, really fearful dude. He was, he, was, uh, he was a man of God, and he knew what God could do. Um, so, you know, why is he running away from God when God asked him to go to Nineveh, right? Um, well, the first thing is, um, or the second thing is that, um, let's talk about Nineveh. Nineveh um, was not your normal Israelite city. Well, in fact, it wasn't. It wasn't an Israelite city, but Jonah was. You know, he was used to going to these. I'm sure used to going to these or to these Israelite cities. Um, but Nineveh, as Jonah knew, was the biggest and the baddest and the cruelest city around, and it was probably the cruelest city in the world at that time. Um, a couple uh, interesting facts about Nineveh. Is um, that it was about it was about five five hundred miles east of where Jonah um, was from. It was actually located where um, today's Iraq and Iran are located. Um, they say that it had it was sixty miles in circumference, so sixty miles around, and around the city were a hundred feet hundred foot tall walls, and around these walls there were about 1,500 towers, about 200 feet high. And many scholars have researched and noted that, that there were probably around um, 2 million people in Nineveh at this time. 
And so if you think about it and you do the math, that's about three times the population of Denver, right? So there's a lot of people in this town, and, and there are a lot of not-so-nice people in this town. Um, some of the things that they like to do, the enemies, um, were these. They, they would like to... Uh, um, they would impale their enemies on poles. They would skin their enemies alive. They would decapitate them. They would actually, they actually invented this ex- execution where um, they would dig holes and they would throw their enemies in and, and um, put the dirt back over and dig and um, bury them alive up to their neck and then let them just let them um, die there. They just leave them to die. And they would eventually go insane because of the, the sun and, and just baking. And so these, these guys were not nice people. They were, they were rough. They were brutal. Um, they were brutal people. And so, um, you know, now you, now you kind of look at the first chapter and, and you kind of think, you know, you think to yourself, would I, you know, would I really go to Nineveh? You know, that would kind of be like uh, if we were in World War II. Um, if God asked um, one of us if we were alive during that time, he asked one of us to walk into Germany and to walk up to Hitler and say, you need to repent. And so does your whole nation. You know, it's, that's what it was. That's what Jonah was dealing with. Um, so let's keep going with the story. Um, we said Jonah finds himself by boat docks and he, and he finds himself running from God. And he finds um, this boat going to Tarshish. And Tarshish was um, not close to Nineveh at all. It was on the other side of the Mediterranean. So, so um, if you're looking, if you'd be looking at a map, uh, Nineveh was over here, and Tarshish was over here in Spain. And so he was really wanting to get away from what God is, was um, calling him to do. Um, so Jonah goes to sleep in the hall of ship. He um, he goes down and. And really, I think why he does this is he just wants to get away from his problems, right? He just, he just doesn't want to think about it. Have you ever, have you ever done that? You know, God, you really maybe feel called by God to do something, but you kind of just like push it away and, and really don't want to think about it. And I, I think this is what Jonah is doing. He just, he doesn't want to think about what he's doing because he knows it's wrong. So he goes down and he sleeps and this storm comes, comes upon the ship and you know it's a bad storm because the sailors are like, we're going to die. And um, so they start throwing the cargo overboard. And, and by, by the way, a lot of people would say that this storm is the wrath of God because Jonah is running away from him. And a lot of people would say, um, you know, um, God is angry at Jonah. And so this is why he's bringing a storm upon, upon the ship. And, you know, I would, I would say it's the complete opposite. I would say this storm is God's mercy. That God's wrath would be to let Jonah run away and go to Tarshish. But in God's mercy, he brings Jonah back to him. And um, so on with the story. After, after they go wake Jonah up, uh, the crew cast lots and Jonah's found out. And they ask him some questions. They ask him, uh, who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? And in verse 9 he says, um, he says, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. And notice that, that Jonah answered all of their questions, except for one. He didn't tell them who he was. He said, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord. But he didn't say he was a prophet of God. 
And, you know, I think Jonah's a little embarrassed at this time. He said, yeah, I'm a prophet of God, but I'm, I'm running away from him at this point. Um, so he's a little embarrassed. He doesn't tell him who he is. But we see in the next chapter, in, uh, what happens next in 15 to 16, then the sailors pick up Jonah and throw him into the raging sea. And this is after Jonah told, tells him to. And the storm stops at once, and the sailors are awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him sacrifices and vowed to serve him. Isn't that amazing? That even when Jonah was running away from God, God used him. And you know, I, I have a feeling that these were the very sailors, these, these sailors were the very people that he was trying to run away from. Um, and he, he ends up saving them. And, uh, I think that's just awesome. The, the demonstration of the power of God. That even when we run away from Him, even when we decide that, that, um, we want to do something else and, and, um, His plans aren't for us, that He, he is so powerful that He doesn't need our obedience. He can work through us no matter what we do. But you know what? I, I have a feeling that, that He could have saved these sailors even if Jonah did the right thing. So now let's read uh, chapter 2. Let's go through this. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and He answered me. I called to you from the land of the, of the dead, and the Lord, you heard me. You threw me in the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Yet I looked once more towards your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves, and the water closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head, and I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. And I was prisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord, my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. And my life was slipping away. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayers went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with, God, with song of praise. And I will fulfill all my vows for my salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. So the first thing I want to bring up here is um, about the fish. You know, when you think about Jonah, you think about Jonah and the whale, right? But... It doesn't say whale, does it? <laughs> it says fish. It says big fish. So it could have been a whale. It could have been a whale. It could have been, you know, we don't know what kind of fish it was. But so many people get wrapped up in this fish idea and the fact that, that Jonah was swallowed by a fish. And a lot of people use this chapter to kind of uh, say, you know, this is why I don't believe the Bible. You know, because who could survive getting swallowed by a fish and live to tell the story, right? Because Jonah is, Jonah is the one who's telling a story here. And, um, you know, I want to tell you how, how this could have happened. Because God did it. <laughs> God did it, and it happened. He brought the fish and it swallowed Jonah. But if you're, you know, you're still, you still, you know, don't really know if you believe it, let's go to Matthew, Matthew 12. And Jesus actually brings, brings this up. Um, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are, are questioning Jesus, and they ask, Teacher, we want, you to show us miraculous signs to prove your authority. But Jesus replied, Only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. But the only sign I will give them is a sign of the prophet Jonah. 
For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. He says, The people of Nineveh will stand up against this generation on Judgment Day and condemn it, for they represented their, um, they repented of their sin and at the preaching of Jonah. Now someone greater than Jonah is here, but you refuse to repent. And the Queen of Sheba will also stand up against the generation on Judgment Day and condemn it. For she came to, um, from a distant land to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And now someone greater than Solomon is here, but you refuse to listen. And so this is why I believe that Jonah was swallowed by a whale. Not a whale, big fish. <laughs> it's because Jesus believes that God, or that Jonah was, was swallowed by a big fish. And that's, that's pretty uh, uh, convincing argument to me. Uh, Jesus said it. I believe it. So let's read on. Um, so in the belly of the fish, uh, as we have read, uh, Jonah is, is there and he's repenting of his sins and he's, he's asking God to forgive him. And, and one thing that he says is, he says this, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them, which is a memory verse, by the way. And he's saying, you know, God, I, I have valued other things before you. I have turned away from your, from your love. But then he goes on to say, he says, um, but I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise and I will fulfill all my vows. For my salvation comes from the Lord. You know, he's saying, God, I, I have made things an idol above you, but, but Lord, you will save me. If I come back to you, you will save me. And so he vows to do the very thing that he didn't want to do in the first place. And then we read on the verse to chapter 3. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah and the second time, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver your message I have given you. And this time Jonah obeyed the, Lord, commanded and went, uh, the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. And on the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, Forty days from now Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. And when the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap and, burlap and sat on the heap of ashes. And then, the king of, and then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and your flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. The people and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop their, their violence. Who can, who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. And when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. So this time, Jonah obeys God. And he goes boldly into the city. And like I said, it it would have been like you or I going in World War II, going up to Hitler and, and saying, you need to repent. But Jonah does this boldly. And he does it everywhere in the city. He stands up and says, repent. And the awesome, miraculous thing is that it happens. And starting from the king, um, which is, again, a miraculous thing in my mind, because we see in, the, in our, especially in our nation today, in our world today, that, that power corrupts men. And it's so difficult 
for anyone to change, someone of power to change their mind. And yet, this king listens to this little prophet. And he, under, he realizes their evil ways and, and he asks their, their city to repent. And so from the king, um, the king asks, asks the, the city to, um, he asks them to uh, pray to, to God and ask for forgiveness. He also asks, asks them to abstain from eating food and drink. And even, he even goes as far to ask them to not give any to their animals. And you think, why are there animals, right? You know, they didn't do anything wrong. Well, I think that the king is so serious that he wants to say, God, we are so serious about this that we will even starve our animals. You know, we, want, we don't want you to destroy us. Um, and so when God said, when God saw what they had done in verse 10, and then how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. So let's, let's read what Jonah has to think about this. In chapter 4, Jonah says, well, 4 verse 1 says, this change, this change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away, from, ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to anger and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if I predicted, if what I predicted will not happen. The Lord replied, replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? So did you catch what Jonah's saying here? He's, he's saying that, you know, this, this is the very reason why I ran to Tarshish. It's not, it might have been partially because of his, his fear from the Ninevites. But I have a feeling it was mostly because of his hatred and his selfishness towards the Ninevites. You know, Jonah was this respected, godly man. And yet, when God asked him to do this one thing, he's too self-righteous, too selfish to do it. And his heart wasn't right. And you know what? I think God knew it. I think God knew, well, I know God knew, that his heart wasn't right. And um, he sent Jonah to the very place that Jonah didn't want to go. And he asked Jonah to, to preach um, this uh, gospel, this good word of, of repentance to the Ninevites. And he knew that Jonah would know that God was going to save the people. And I think he knew he did all this in order that, that Jonah's heart may be changed. And um, in verse 5, as we go further, um, I, this is like my favorite part of Jonah, uh, these last few verses. But uh, it says, Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen in the city. And the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And spread its, spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This is like overnight, by the way, or in one day. And this eased his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But God also arranged for a worm 
The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. And the sun beat down on his head until, it grew, until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry because of the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, You feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? And you see, um, this is my this is one of my favorite um, parts of 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 Jonah because um, I think, well, I know that God did this just to test Jonah and to for him to realize, you know, what he was doing wrong. And ESV says there uh, when it says, "Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city?" It says, "Shouldn't I pity Nineveh?" You know, God. God wanted to tell Jonah, he's, he's saying, Jonah, you are so selfish that you care about this plant that I have, that I gave you, and you're mad that it died because you wanted it for shade. But when I'm going to destroy a whole city, uh, you want to watch it happen. And so God is trying to change Jonah's hearts, Jonah's heart and I believe he did. But you know what? Uh, before we know, it ends. And, and we never really know. Um, it's like one of, those, one of those movies where you're watching the movie, you're sitting down eating popcorn, watching the movie, and, and uh, like out of nowhere it ends. And you're watching the credits scroll through. And you're like, what in the world just happened, right? <laughs> like, is there going to be a sequel to this movie? Is there going to be some a little bit after the credits that I'm going to stay for? You know, um, but you know this is how Jonah ends, um, and um, you know we never know if he repented. We never know if his selfishness and his hatred continued to burn for Nineveh, which I have a pretty idea, have a pretty good idea what happened since Jonah wrote this book. I think that that his heart did turn and and he um, understood. Um, the idols in his life, but um, you know, I believe right here, this last chapter is the whole purpose for Jonah. The whole purpose why why Jonah wrote this book. Um, you see, I used to believe that Jonah was mainly about the the deliverance of the Ninevites and God's mercy on them. You know, but now I I really think that that the book of Jonah is about Jonah's heart. And it's about the heart of the of people who follow God. You see, there's always going to be there's always going to be this ship going to Tarshish in our lives. There's always going to be this ship that we can run away from God on, and um, there always be a way around accountability. Um, one of the most profound things you can know about yourself is how you individually, specifically, run away from God. So let me ask you today is, um, you know, what, what's holding you back from doing God's will? What is your Tarshish? 
you know, just like Jonah uh, ran to Tarshish to get away from God, what, what are you running to to get away from God? Is it arrogance? Is it pride? Is it hatred? Is it, is it envy? You know, maybe it's um, family or friends. This can be an idol. You, you can put family or friends above God. You know, maybe it's, um, maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's alcoholism. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's being addicted to your phone or, or your computer technology. You know, what are you putting before God? It could be the smallest thing to the largest thing, the largest sin. And God says, if that comes before me, it's an idol. You know, if we run, if we run something, just like Jonah did, if we run towards something that's not God, and we're running away, that means we're running away from from God, and that um, that means we're valuing that other thing above above God. So this is why it's so important to for us to surrender everything to God. You know, Jonah was this this big prophet. Everyone, I'm sure most of everyone knew about him in Israel. And he was a very spiritual, religious guy. And he heard from God. He heard, he heard audibly from God. And yet, he wasn't fully surrendered. He didn't fully surrender to him. So he let these idols in his life come before God. You see, he did everything the Lord asked him to. If and only if it didn't. It didn't go against what he wanted to do, what he wanted. So there's three things in Jonah that we, that we find that, um, that God asks his people to do who follow him. And the first one is surrender to him. You know, not just a little bit, not just enough to get by as a Christian, right? Not just the, the minimum, but he wants our life. He wants our everything. He wants our all. And he wants us to surrender to him. The second thing is to burn down the dock that goes to our Tarshish, right? In other words, to burn down our idols. And instead of running away from the, in the other direction of God, um, understanding what, what our idols are, and, in, and instead confessing to God and repenting to God. Um, that's what he want us, wants us to do. He, he um, doesn't want us to value anything that comes before him. Third thing that God wants us to do is... To do His will, even when it doesn't line up with our own. And this is the biggest part of surrender. You know, it's giving God so much control that when He asks us to do something that we don't want to do, we do it anyway. It means that He's our first priority and nothing in life can even compete with Him. You know, there's this, there's this book by um, Kyle Eidemann called Not a Fan. And um, many, many of you may have heard it, heard about it. Um, but in this book, Kyle goes on and he, he talks about idols in one chapter. And, and he talks about Jesus as if he was running a race in our lives. And he says, you know, Jesus should not be first place. He should not be um, first in our lives. So Jesus should really be the only one on the track. Because, you know, all of these other things, whether it be sins or possessions, any of these other idols we have should not even compare to our God. 
know, it's like Jesus um, is in the Olympics, right? And all these other things in our life are running like high school sports. You know, they're not even in the same league. And so this is how we should view, view our God, that he is so awesome. You know, he's the very person that created us, that put life, put breath in our, in our lungs. And so he's the very person that we should live for. And so as, as uh, I bring this message to the end, if you would take out your green connection card again. And I have a few things that I'd like you to do this week. The first one would, is to uh, memorize our memory verse, Jonah 2.8. Um, and just keep it in your mind this week. Remember that that um, we need to ch- we need to turn from our idols, and we need to come to God. And read Jonah, read Jonah, the book of Jonah. Um, you know, so many times I read something, and then um, you know I read it multiple times because usually the second or third time that I read it, it actually I actually get something out of it. And so so read Jonah. The third thing to do is would be to, to pray. And to surrender your life to Christ. And to surrender all to Him. And that goes along with the fourth thing, which, which is to smash your idols. And to ask God to use you how He wants. Or like we said before, burn, your, burn down the, the dock that goes to your Tarshish. Turn away from running away from God and come to Him. Let God use you in mighty ways this week. So as we pass the, the offering plate, the plates um, for the offering, if you would, just put that connection card in the offering as it goes by, and um, uh, that would be great. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, you are good. Lord, you are, you are so good that you know, even when everything feels like it's crumbling around me, you know, even when it feels like you are the one who is bringing me pain in, in this life, Father, Father, you are still good. Because just like when Jonah, Jonah was on that, that boat, Lord, he, you brought that storm upon, upon the boat not to hurt him, not to um, harm him, Father, but to bring him back to you. God, bring us back to you. Work in my life. Work in, work in the lives of the people in, in this church this morning in order that we may break every single chain that comes before you that's tying us down and every, burn, burn those idols and Smash those idols that, Father, that are coming before you. Help us surrender all to you. And give us hearts of burning desire and burning passion to, to live for you every single day, no matter what. Lord, we, we love you and we praise you this morning. And we give you all the glory. In your name, amen.